Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson, Steve Carney, and Mike Lovell. Welcome to Episode 7 of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy Football. If you are a fan of the podcasts, you probably understand that I'm not Price Atkinson. Uh, the Price is not here this week uh, due to some family commitments, but you do get two out of three for Yards and Stripes this week. And as Meatloaf said, that ain't bad. Alongside Mike Lovell, I am Steve Carney. It is great to be with you here for week number seven uh, of the uh, college football season, episode seven of Yards and Stripes. Price not here because his lovely better half had run in the Chicago Marathon this past weekend. So Price out of town. He's up in the Windy City uh, enjoying the sights and uh, probably sympathizing with his wife uh, for running 26.2 miles through, uh, through the city of Chicago. Now, Mike, I'm not a runner. Like, I always, I did, like, the bare minimum when it did to running. Like, the every six-month PRT was the only time that I ever really did running uh, in the military. I, so I can only imagine how sore and how bad off you are after running 26.2 miles. Yeah, I've run a couple of halves, uh, trained for a full, never run one competitively. I, I, I mean, I, I think it's fine to run 26.2 miles. What I question is who schedules a marathon during football season? That's really the <laughs> biggest question. Yeah, you think about it. Uh, the, the Boston Marathon takes place in April normally, and, and the New York City Marathon is, I want to say, in May. Yeah. Uh, to have it in October in Chicago, I can only I can only imagine that they may think it's too cold to do in April and May in Chicago. You know, yeah. They, but the problem is if you started at ten, you know, you're missing all of the noon games. I know you're, you're back in the hotel. You gotta recoup and uh, you know roll out and put ice in your feet. So you're probably missing all the three thirty games too. You may get to see a little bit of night games. I mean, who? Who who schedules a marathon for football season? I just don't get it, Steve. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. Uh, we'll have to uh, get the, all the details from Price when he comes back next week. I want a full report from him. I want to know how his wife finished. I want to know pace. I want to know uh, how she trained. I want to know what she ate the night before. I want to know what she ate the night after. Uh, you know, I want to know everything about running a marathon because I could never. I'm I'm almost 300 pounds now. Uh, so there's no way I'm running a marathon nowadays. As we say down south, that's one of them spring sports. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Not a not a spring sport this week uh, in service academy football. In fact, Mike, I think you could probably say if you were going to name this week after uh, Spaghetti Western, this was the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, in in all ways, shapes, and forms when it comes to Service Academy football because one game turned out to be really good. One game turned out to be kind of disappointing and you know, on the bad side, and one of them turned out to be real ugly, and especially for uh, the chances for that team to go far in its conference. And we'll get to those first, uh, that those second two uh, games here in just a little bit. But I want to start with the good. I, it's, a lo- it's been a long time since we can talk about good and put Navy at the front of it, because it seems like, like the rumors of Ken Niumatololo's demise in Annapolis may have been a little bit exaggerated after Navy put a 
50 burger up on Tulsa this past weekend. I, I mean, I know that it's not, it's not Tulane. It's not UCF. It's not Houston. It's Tulsa, which is about this much better than USF in the American athletic conference, but putting up a 50 on a conference opponent, that's a really, really good sign. Yeah, I'll push back on you a little bit, Steve. You know, we've been kind of hard on Navy this year. I think it's I think I think it's good to give them credit where credit's due. Tulsa for a two and four team, I, I don't think they're that bad. They they were within ten with Cincinnati. They were only they only lost to Ole Miss by eight. Ole Miss is in the top ten, or you know, they're 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 one of only four undefeated SEC teams. They beat a quality northern Northern Illinois team, and they lost to Wyoming, same team the Air Force lost by by three points. So th- their record kind of doesn't represent the quality of football they've played. And Navy just took it to them. I'll tell you what, Steve. To me, it almost looked like Tulsa said, "Hey, you know what? This is the." Flexbone option in the middle of the season. We're just gonna we're just gonna go out and play, and whatever happens happens. I know that's not the case because they're coming into a bye this weekend, mm-hmm. so you would think they would be prepared for that. But Tulsa just showed up, and, and they weren't prepared at all. They they this was the worst game they've played by far. They looked way better against Ole Miss. They looked yes, way they better against Cincinnati, and they just come out and, and laid a nothing burger against Navy. I, you going back to the movie reference? This would really, if it was a sci-fi, it'd be Bizarro World. Everything in Service <laughs> Academy, everything in Service Academy football is turned upside down this weekend. The Navy defense was excellent. Uh, three interceptions. Uh, a bag full of sacks, uh, uh, one fumble recovery, a safety, and they held Tulsa to 25 rushing yards. 25 rushing yards. I know. That's uh, you know, that's from that's from your front door to your back door, Steve. So the Navy defense was on point, and uh, Navy finally got their rushing attack going, uh, putting up some gaudy numbers: 455 yards on the ground for Navy. Uh, control. I think they ran. Uh, I think they ran 94 total plays, if my memory serves correctly. Just some crazy number there. Uh, we can check that in a second. And then, uh, um, and so 69 on the on the ground. That's uh, that's for sure. Uh, you're looking at uh, Navy had uh, eight passing attempts and 69 uh, plays on uh, 69 rushing plays, which is just absolutely. Uh, incredible. And and we're over 40 minutes when it comes to time of possession on the field. Ty Lavatai and company, it seemed like they they never got a break in that game. They were on that, they were on the field a lot uh in that yeah, game. One of those dominant triple option performances where they just they just strangled the other team. Uh Daba Fofana had 159 yards on his own three touchdowns, and they weren't just dives getting into the end zone. They were they were significant runs, one of 47, one of 15, one of mm-hmm. 11. So really, Navy got back to the Navy of old uh, from several years ago. They looked dominant, establishing that running game. That the defense was flying around, got, got four those four turnovers and the safety. Uh, it, it really can't really can't say much about this game other than Navy was just dominant against again. I think a, a fairly quality opponent, uh, particularly you know a, a team that's better than two and four. And Navy looked really good. If you, if you're a Navy fan. Things are looking up. We'll talk about this later, but you got to be able to carry that momentum from this win into another tough game on the road coming up Friday against a yeah. quality conference opponent. Yeah, SMU on Friday, and we'll definitely uh, preview that here coming up in just a little bit. I, I, but I, I do want to touch on that because you were talking about momentum going from game to game, and you look at it, 
They had, they had a really quality, uh, the double overtime when it wasn't a great win, you know, when it comes to quality of play, but you get out of Greenville with a victory and you really stick close with air force, uh, last week. So I, I thought, you know, this, this is now a, a stretch. Now we're not talking about just four quarters. We're now at 12 plus quarters of play now that that Navy has looked more like a service Academy football team and less like a division three NAIA team, which is what I thought they looked like the first couple of weeks of this season. And that that's a credit to the coaching staff uh, who, and, and I heard uh, Ken Numatololo after the game mention, and it's been mentioned a couple of times that they've kind of, I don't want to say they've dumbed down the offense, but they have really fit the offense to the players that they've had. Because I think the first couple of weeks, they were trying to fit the players to the offense instead of fitting the offense to the players. Once they started doing that, you've started to see a little more success from them. Sure, and the good news is they put 12 quality quarters on film. The bad news is they're going to have to keep that up. They play mm -hmm. SMU, as we talked about, and they get Houston at home. Uh, a little bit of a break with Temple, not not the best team. And then you're playing Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and UCF three straight weeks. So it's good. It's going to take for, – for Navy to get where they want to be and, and to get up to six wins, it's going to take uh, more than the 12, 12 uh, quarters they put together. They're going to need about 36 more quality quarters to get there. But, but again, if you're a Navy fan, you can't be worrying about Notre Dame and UCF in November. You got to worry about keeping the momentum going against SMU and hoping that offense stays in rhythm. And, and, and like you said, adjust the system to the players and just run their basic stuff. But look, I mean, the, the service academies, when they play teams, very rarely are they the, the bigger team, the faster team, the more physical team. They rely on executing the system. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 it doesn't make sense to try to, force anything i think that's when we'll, we'll talk about army in a minute but i think that's one of the the mistakes the army's making is they're trying to to, to force something and, and get maybe a little bit too fancy if you just if you just execute your basic scheme you're gonna have success and i think uh, i think navy fans have to have to like where they're at in the last three weeks just like you said and, and hope they continue that momentum uh, in dallas coming up this weekend yeah or, I, I, I actually think, on friday i'm sorry yeah it, i think it might be a little too late to, to start thinking about bowls, uh, I think having lost to Delaware and, and, and what happened early on in, in the season, you know, the Memphis loss, I, I think really does Navy a, a, a little bit of a disservice because, you know, in order to get to six wins, as you mentioned, you've got SMU and then you've got Houston and Cincinnati, Notre Dame, UCF, and then Army. Those are, those are your six games left. You've got to try and win four of those six games to become bowl eligible. I think it's, I think it's a little bit too much of a, of a task to ask when it comes to uh, what, when it comes to uh, what you have left uh, to try and win four of those games uh, moving forward. That could be very difficult, uh, especially if you don't win this uh, Friday uh, in Dallas against SMU. This is almost must win category in a, in a must win category in order to even have a chance to sniff bowl eligibility if you're the midshipman. Oh, for, for certain, uh, to win four out of the seven, you'll be favored against Temple. The only other game you oh, might yeah, be favored. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Temple, yeah. Yeah, the only other game you might be favored in is at the end of the season with Army. Uh, so you, you'll you maybe be favored in two. So then you got to pull two upsets uh, in, in that lineup of seven teams. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, 
you're not really looking forward to bowl season. You're just saying, if you're a Navy fan, if we can continue this momentum, we have something to shoot for. Yeah, shooting, shooting for, and especially at the from the beginning of the year, you know, we talked about it in the first couple of episodes this season. When you're looking at Navy schedule and you're going, oh God, and then when they lose to Delaware and you're going, oh Jesus, what the hell? You know, this team might not win a game all year long if they're losing to Division One FCS clubs. I, I thought this could be a this could be another, uh, you know, whether it was a, a two and ten year or a one and eleven year. You know, there could there could be a serious uh, schedule issue because you're going, oh, my God, this could be one of the worst seasons in Navy history when when you were looking at the schedule, especially after losing to Delaware and to be where they are at two and three and, and have an opportunity it, with a win on Friday over SMU to be back at 500 is I, I if you had told me that they could be three and three if they beat SMU uh, after, after this week. I, at the beginning of the season, after six games, I said I'd take it every, every single time. Yeah, for, for certain. And, of course, we're talking about college football, and college football fans are more irrational than flat-earth people and people who believe in Nigerian <laughs> princes with money. So, so it's fine to look for the bowl because we college football fans are, by nature, the most irrational people in the mm -hmm. world. But, but, yeah, but it's all looking forward and trying to build on uh, the little success you've had. And like you said, even the loss against Air Force, they look good. So you hang your hat on 12 good quarters and hope you can hope you can make it 16, hope you can make it 20, hope you can make it 24. So that is the good from week six in, in college football. And from the good, unfortunately, we have to transition to the bad. And the bad, unfortunately, came in Raleigh-Durham uh, over the weekend as Army loses 45-14 to uh, the uh, West, uh, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, uh, a, a rough go for Army, uh, especially early on, uh, because they had opportunities early uh, in, in that 45-10 loss. Uh, I look at, uh, you know, what we talked about last week was the fact that um, you saw teams trying to out-Army Army. Army. Uh, you saw it last week with Georgia State. And you saw it this week with the Demon Deacons. They had 221 yards on the ground, 45 carries on the ground. They only had four fewer rushing yards than, than Army did. So they did try to out Army Army, and they scored four touchdowns on the ground. Yeah, you know, there, there's there's not a lot you can say about this game. The same problems that have plagued Army all season plagued them against a, a far superior team. Wake Forest is a good team. This is this is not this is not your older brother's Wake Forest team. No, this is a uh, very good. This is a, yeah. this is a Wake Forest team that took Alabama, uh, or they they took Clemson to the limit. Oh, yeah. and they beat Florida State. That that's a damn. And you remember uh, last week, Price is trying to trying to tout up you know why why army had a shot I, and, and, no you and i had to, you and i had to say to him you need to pump the brakes pal this, yeah, uh, this way is real good sam hartman is, is a really good quarterback justin ellison's a really good running back wake force is a legitimate top 25 team but you know army's defense uh they got to figure something out uh just just uh, gave up way too many yards on the ground couldn't stop a possession wake force just marched down the field every time on offense army continues to have turnovers just had a crushing turnover on the first drive inside the red zone. Turn that over. Wake Forest goes down, turns it into a touchdown. Right there, you kind of lose all your confidence, all your momentum. 
uh, the, the Tyrell Robinson getting injured, Army playing, shuffling three quarterbacks in. But really, the thing for me is when, when you're playing a team like this, and we, and, and you know, they had success against Oklahoma several years ago. They had success against Wisconsin. They had success against Michigan. They went in and they just executed their offense. Army had 21 pass attempts this game. I, I just I, I I'm not real sure why uh, the, the Army offensive staff continues to try to establish the pass. I know at least three of those passes were on first down. When you're the Army, I, I know you're trying to catch the defense on their toes when they're not expecting a pass. You know, when it's third and thirteen, everyone knows it's a pass. Well, not everybody knows it's not everyone expects it from Army on first down. I, I get the fact that you're trying to surprise the defense but 21 pass attempts against the team that, that you know uh, is kind of hitting on all cylinders and they're the 15 team in the nation just go in and execute your offense R- running up the middle and i know a missing tyson rally uh for the game that that kind of hurt him they were a little bit yeah. short at be back uh, they lost uh tyrell robinson early i i understand that they, you know they're missing a couple offensive linemen as well I, I got that they're a little bit short on the depth on the offensive side but between the penalties, several penalties again, the fumbles, and just kind of rotating quarterbacks and just kind of getting away from their identity, who they are, that's continued. That continues to be what plagues the Army offense and the defense. Just has to get defense just has to get things figured out. Uh, Wake Forest could have easily put up uh, one or two more touchdowns if they wanted to. Oh, absolutely. You mentioned the fumble on the first drive uh, in the red zone, and then Wake Forest turns around and gets six out of it. They also had the turnover on downs in the first half and the interception, which also came in the red zone at the end of the first half. Uh, So those you had those three in the first half, and then you had another turnover on downs and another interception in the second half that the Demon Deacons then turned around and got six on each of those uh, as well. Uh, So I I know that and I get I get why you may want to pass a little more especially if you're down 38 nothing uh, as the Black Knights were uh, in this game. But I, I agree with you. This is a, a, an Army team that is not designed for, for a whole lot of passing. And so with, when you have, even when you have the injuries to the offensive linemen and you have the injury to Tyrell Robinson and you're shuffling in quarterbacks, I think that's the perfect time. Yes, you're not going to win this game, so use this as an opportunity to help hone what does work for you. And I think that that would have been smart. And yes, maybe you lose 45, nothing, or maybe you lose 52, nothing, uh, instead of 45 to 10, but you're going to be working on things that are going to help you in games down the road, uh, on the, on the back end of your schedule, as opposed to maybe putting up a, sympathy touchdown uh, against Wake Forest. So I, I'm I'm completely with you on that. Yeah, and, and the timing of the turnovers was just crucial. If you, oh. if you turn one of those into a touchdown and one into a field goal, you go into half 21-10. You're thinking to yourself, hey, we're in this game. The other team's going in thinking to themselves, man, they're still in this game, and they're going to come out in the second half, and they're, they're going to bring more of this. As opposed to you go in twenty-one nothing and you feel like you're already out of the game because Wake Forest is moving at will. So the, the the turnovers just just killing Army right now. The inconsistency and just the defense not being able to stop much of anything. Uh, Army's got to get it figured out. The good news is, as we, we'll talk later, they get Colgate coming up this week, so they'll have a chance to to right the ship as they uh, enter the back half of their schedule. Yeah, they can brush that uh, that loss clean out of their teeth. 
uh, for sure with Colgate coming up this week. And we'll talk about that here in, in just a little bit. But that's the bad. And that tells you just how ugly the loss for Air Force was this week going into Ogden uh, against a team that was one in four in the Utah State Aggies and dropping a, a 34-27 decision. Uh, and remember, this was the Utah State was the team that kept Air Force basically out of the Mountain West Championship game last season when they came to Colorado Springs and won. This was an ugly loss. I mean, now Air Force is one and two in the in conference in the Mountain Division of six teams. They're now in fifth place, and they've got their work cut out for them because you've got teams like uh, you've got you've got some teams in front of them now that are certainly going to be uh, really looking forward to. I mean, Boise State is undefeated in conference. Uh, Colorado State's only played once. Uh, in conference, but Wyoming, who has already beaten the Air Force, Utah State has now beaten Air Force. So you've got you've got some teams now that have head to head advantages, and now you've got to beat them twice, and basically in order to get the get an opportunity to to have an opportunity to play in the in the conference championship game. I, I wonder if this this might be it for their for their chances. I, I think it might be very difficult from here on out. Uh, if they want to play for a conference title, uh, you know, you can't have any more mistakes and, and you got to hope that, that you get some help from other places. Yeah. I think it was Yogi Berra that said deja vu all over again with the Utah mm -hmm. state and air force, but Utah state's kind of the opposite of Tulsa. They're a two and four team. That's, that's probably very deserving of that two and four record. Uh, they, they did have a good win against UConn. Who's probably better this year. Uh, didn't score a single point. I, I don't even know if they crossed midfield against Alabama. They lost to FCS Weber State. Uh, they lost to a, a UNLV team that's not very good. Weren't really in the game against BYU. And then for Air Force to come out here, Air Force had a lead in this game. Um, Air Force had a lead in this game. And then inexplicably, um, or, or at least, uh, yeah, or at least it was close in the third quarter. And Air Force couldn't close the gap. Um, yeah, they were they were leading in the fourth. They they took the lead in the yeah. fourth quarter, and then Cooper yeah. Lagasse and made it the Cooper Lagasse show. Yeah, uh, it, it, I, I, you know Air Force. You know it, it was just, it was a strange game. You just it, you felt like Air Force was you felt like Air Force at times was was ready to take control of the game. They just they just never closed the door. Uh, Brad Roberts did what Brad Roberts does, has 136 yards. Air Force put 264 on the ground. Zeke Daniels did okay. He had an interception that kind of cost him. Uh, but you just you felt like Air Force just uh, for some reason just kind of didn't close the door on Utah State. And uh, I, I really think uh, for Air Force it was their defense, uh, which has been a little inconsistent this year. Uh, played well against Navy. They played well a couple other games. In a couple games they let the, the other team. Uh, they played well against Colorado in the in the weather at there at the academy. But then a couple other games they've kind of gotten away and let let other teams uh, put some points on the board. So it was really the inconsistency of the defense. I, I know they all got the game ball last week from us, mm -hmm. uh, but this week they come back and they let Utah State, a team that didn't. I don't think they crossed midfield against Alabama, put 34 on them. I got it. Alabama's defense is pretty good, but yeah. but still. Uh, but still they let Utah State put 34 on them. So it was just very – if I had to pick a word, it would be deflating for Air Force. Just, you know, a, a, another – just like the Wyoming game, just a game you think you let get away and you know. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, when you're a teenager and you do something, you're like, ah, I'm going to pay for that when I get home. 
But that's exactly it's exactly after that Wyoming loss and after this loss, you know if you're an Air Force fan, man, this is gonna come back to hurt us at the end of the season. This I don't, I don't is know. gonna be brutal. I don't know what you're talking about. My mother said I was sick. <laughs> so yes. uh um yeah, I and I, I mentioned the Cooper Lagasse show and I, I wonder if Air Force's defense remembered that they had to play a fourth quarter because they looked good all the way through. I, I thought they I thought they were good enough to win all the way through the first three quarters. And then the Falcons take the lead in the fourth quarter. And the defense, like you said, in the fourth quarter, it seemed like they couldn't get a stop uh, on Utah State. And Laga had the the 34-yard shovel pass touchdown to Terrell Vaughn, which, by the way, was on fourth down. And fourth and four, they decide the Aggies are, are not going to kick uh, the field goal, but instead go for the t- uh, go for it on fourth down. And they ended up with just a little shovel pass and Vaughn like tiptoed his way through the defense and found himself in the end zone. And then on the next drive, Lagat had, I believe, a 32 yard touchdown run of his own. So it was it was really uh, I the fourth quarter was absolutely, as you would say, deflating. I think that's I think it's the perfect word. Yeah, I mean, but in, in in fairness to the Air Force defense, offense did put him in a bind with a fumble and mm-hmm. an interception on two of their last three, two of their last three possessions. I I don't think they could convert the field goal there with about a minute forty three to go. That was really the end of the game right there. It puts him out of out of touch. But Utah State with a thirteen play drive in the third quarter, then another ten play drive. I, I don't know if the Air Force defense was was uh, worn down because Utah State did put some yards up, but but between that uh, those two 13 and 10 play drives there at uh, the end of the third and beginning of the fourth. And then the two air force turnovers uh, just, it was, it was a, uh, a, a collapse. It's, it's one of those things where a 15 minute period of time in a game might define your season. Uh, and again, for air force, that's just, that's one of those things where it's just absolutely deflating to, to kind of give potentially a conference winning season away in a short amount of time in, yeah, in a game I mean, that was winnable. Yeah, it was absolutely winnable. And you think about it, they had 23 pass attempts, 38 rushing attempts did uh, did the Aggies. So that's 53 plays and 23 plays came on the final two drives uh, of the game. So that that just tells you where where the uh, the defense was or or in this case wasn't uh, for the for the fourth quarter. That is for sure. We got plenty more to get to here. On Yards and Stripes, of course, we've got our game balls coming up. We will take a look at uh, the latest member of the Travis Mannion Foundation arm, uh, honor roll. Uh, Price will have that for us. We'll also have some news and notes, some interesting news about a star at, at the Service Academies and where he might be ending up after his season ends. And, of course, we will preview the three games that are coming up this week in week seven of the uh, of the college football season for the service academies. Don't forget that Yards and Stripes is part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network, which you can uh, find college football podcasts from all over the country. We've got Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12. We've got a Florida podcast. We've got uh, a national big picture podcast with our good friend Patrick Netherton and, and plenty more. So make sure that you are subscribed to the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. And, of course, uh, follow the network on social media. We are at Gridiron Coast on Twitter. And whenever there's a new uh, episode that drops, you can get it right. 
there. We'll come back with more here for week number seven here, uh, episode seven of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here once again are Price, Steve, and Mike. All right, Steve, welcome back, everyone, to Yards and Stripes. Steve, that was a good rundown of the games from this past weekend. Before we move to our game balls, which is my favorite part of the show, uh, rewarding and recognizing the outstanding performers of the week, let me tell you about Ticket Smarter. College football fans, we know that with the season cranked back up, you're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices. We want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust. Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They've also partnered with ESPN Events as their official t- ticket resale partner. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live and in person. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with a Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those listening to all of our podcasts on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off of your order of $100 or more. And that code isn't just good for a one-time use. You can use that code as many times as you want this season for the best selection of college football seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with the Ticket Smarter app or at TicketSmarter.com. And remember our code, GRIDIRON22. Think smarter, use Ticket Smarter. Steve, over to you. Who do you have? Who are you giving your game ball to this week? Yeah, I'm staying on the defensive side. Uh, you mentioned uh, the the defense for Tul- uh, for Navy against Tulsa, and I want to single out three guys that I think deserve uh, a game ball. Uh, one senior and a pair of sophomores. Nicholas Straw, the senior linebacker. Colin Ramos, the sophomore linebacker. And sophomore corner, Elias Larry. Each of them had a drive-stopping interception against the golden hurricane and allowed Navy to go from being uh, on defense and maybe having to give up some points to being able to go out and score some points themselves uh, against the golden hurricane. So I will, I will go with Nicholas straw, Colin Ramos and Elias Larry all getting game balls for interceptions against the hurricane. How about you? I'm going to stay in the same game, flip over to the offense. I'm going with Dabo Fafona. Uh, Navy running back had 159 yards on 21 carries, three touchdowns, 7.5 yards per carry. Uh, his 159 yards were part of Navy's total 455. But here's here's what the important part was. That game was 10-7, and Fofana scored three straight touchdowns early in the second quarter to really put that game away going into half. It was 10-7 at the end of the first. By the time Fofana was done, it was 33-7. The game was pretty much settled. Uh, you know, with, with a with a triple option offense like that uh, for Tulsa to come back would have been a near miracle. So Daba Fafana, 159 yards, three touchdowns, touchdown runs of 47, 15, and 11, put that game away, allowed Navy to take control and, and, and uh, get a big win. As we talked about earlier, a uh, big conference win against Tulsa game balls for Navy. I absolutely love hearing that. And, and yeah, I'm not, crazy. no, not, 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 not in the, 
they they deserve it. They deserve it. It was they, it was a great game, and uh, it was good to see Navy uh, have have a really good weekend. I was I was I was nice and calm by halftime in that game. That made me very very happy. We got plenty more to get to here on Yards and Stripes. Uh, we've got uh, the news and notes, and we will preview Week Seven in college football. We've got three games to get to uh, starting on Friday night, and then a pair of games on Saturday. Coming up next. We've got the Travis Mannion Foundation on roll. Of course, the Travis Mannion Foundation doing much for our fallen heroes uh, in the armed services. And so we will have uh, a little bit uh, about the Travis Mannion Foundation and the newest member of the Travis Mannion Foundation on roll when we come back here on Yards and Stripes, your home for service academy football. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, if not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. All right, it's time for our Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment where we honor and remember a fallen hero, one that has given the ultimate sacrifice. And this week, we're going to remember United States Marine Corps Captain Jennifer J. Harris, a native of Swampscott, Massachusetts, who gave the ultimate sacrifice on February the 7th, 2007. She was a 2000 graduate of the United States Naval Academy, and Harris was assigned to the Marine Medium Helicopter Squadron 364 out of Camp Pendleton, California. She was on her third tour of duty in Iraq when she was one of six killed in a helicopter crash in the Al-Anbar province of Iraq. Harris was the first Massachusetts woman killed in the Iraq War and was the lone female casualty of the elite helicopter squadron, the Purple Foxes. On flying missions, she used the radio moniker, The Dove, and would have turned 29 on November the 6th. Her final mission came in daylight when she volunteered to transport blood supplies to wounded soldiers in the field, but insurgents shot down that helicopter, killing Harris just days before she was to return home to Massachusetts. Quote, at first she was told, no, you're too close to leaving, said Jim Schultz, a friend who is also a Swamp Scott veteran. Quote, but she said, I want to fly one more time in Iraq in the daylight. A lot of missions had been at night, so she reluctantly agreed. So her supervisors reluctantly agreed, end quote. Harris, the only child of Raymond and Rosalie Harris, was a 1996 Swampscott High School graduate. She then attended the Naval Academy, as I mentioned, where she was a member of the intercollegiate sailing team and graduated in 2000. Commissioned as a second lieutenant in the United States Marine Corps, she went on to complete Marine Flight Training School. The Travis Mannion Foundation honored Captain Jennifer Harris in their Character Does Matter program at Villa Maria Academy High School in Malvern, Pennsylvania. Students dedicated almost 2,000 hours of service in honor of Captain Harris. She was also honored through TMF's Character Does Matter program presented during the United States Naval Academy Summer Seminar. Quote, I was absolutely inspired by your daughter's story, and I want to dedicate all of my service hours to preserving her memory. She was such a wonderful example of dedication and service. I hope to live my life the way Jen did, serving others. Thank you for the gift of your daughter. That was Katie Yegley, a Villa Maria High Academy High School student who was a member of the class of 2013, writing in a letter 
to Jennifer Harris's parents after participating in the If Not Me Then Who service challenge. Jennifer is survived by her parents, Raymond and Rosalie, as I mentioned, and her fiancé, Captain Christopher Aby. Again, we just take this time to honor and remember those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for our nation and for our country. May they never be forgotten and always last in our memories. Travis Mannion Foundation's 9-11 Heroes Run 5K Race Series unites communities across the country and around the world to honor the sacrifices of September 11th and the war since. Join your community this September and register to run, walk, or rock by visiting 911heroesrun.org. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. All right, welcome back to episode number seven of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. Steve Carney, Mike Lovall with you here this week. No, Price Atkinson, as Price's wife, uh, decided she wanted to run in a marathon in the middle of football season, and Price, being a good husband, went up to the Windy City to be the support uh, there. So he will be back next week. This is the portion of the show where we get into news and notes and we'll get into the week seven games coming up here in just a moment. But Mike, this is a question that I think we've been talking about for a while now. I want to say almost since the very beginning of the season here on yards and stripes, I don't, we didn't bring it up with army's head coach, Jeff Munkin, when we had him on a couple of weeks ago, though you did ask him about, maybe trying to showcase him for film for the next level. But it certainly seems like that has not uh, hindered uh, Andre Carter from being a very, very important piece in the pundits that are putting out mock drafts for the NFL. And yes, I know the NFL draft is six months away now, and there's still a you know, two thirds of a regular season, a full postseason, a Super Bowl to play in the NFL. And you got to get through all this other stuff, free agency and the likes before you get to the draft. But both Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay of ESPN are very high on Andre Carter II. So much so that I think they both have him being taken in the first round of their latest mocks. Now, I know that both of them have Carter as the second best outside linebacker in the country behind Will Anderson of Alabama. McShay is Carter as the 14th best player in the draft this year. Kuiper actually has him better. He has him almost in the top 10, just outside the top 10 at 11th. But, and so that means that there are going to be a lot of teams in the national football league that are going to be very interested in bringing in a guy like Andre Carter for conversations, for interviews. Uh, I'm sure he's going to end up at the draft combine in Indianapolis here uh, in March. I would certainly think that he's going to be a a very interesting target for a lot of teams in the middle of the NFL draft in that first round. I would think that, you know, from – say 10 or 11 all the way down through 31 or 32 uh, in the first round are are going to be interested in what they see from Andre Carter, not just on film, but when they do get a chance to see him work out live, whether he plays in the senior bowl 
in, in Alabama this year, whether or not he goes to the, the combine in Indianapolis, whether or not he has a pro day at West Point. Having a guy that could go in the first round of the NFL draft, and bear in mind, Army has not had a player go in the first round of the draft since 1947. This, this, is, a, this is uncharted territory for a lot of people at West Point. And I'm kind of curious as to your take being a West Point guy, uh, you know, whether, you know, you know, where Andre Carter fits in. And, you know, I personally think that anybody that goes to a service academy that feels like they could have an opportunity to play in the National Football League should get that opportunity. I felt that way with Keenan Reynolds when he was coming out uh, of the Naval Academy. Uh, I certainly think that guys from the Air Force and Army, if they feel like they can make an NFL team, should get that opportunity. Now, if they don't make the team, then obviously you've got your military commitment that you've got to fulfill. But for a guy like Andre Carter, if he goes in the first round, he might be a better recruiting tool for the service academies, being a first round pick and going and playing in the NFL than he ever would fulfilling five years of military yeah for sure and you know with the business of college football these days you know the football programs and athletic programs are called the front porch to the school if you look at a lot of studies with boise state the amount of -of out-of-state kids that go to boise state now because of the success of their football program of course you can charge more for out-of-state tuition Mm -hmm. um, a a lot of things with, with the business i know army navy air force aren't really in the business of college football like the rest of the power five and group of five teams. I understand that, but certainly it heightens the expectations. What's happened in the past. You'll have to remember that most of these, most of the service Academy guys in the last generation that went to play in the NFL were either late round draft picks or most of them were undrafted free agents. Uh, I forget the player's name, but he was defensive back from Navy two years ago, came down here to the Tampa Bay bucks um, was given several opportunities to try out. Just finally didn't make it. Went on to serve. You'll remember Alex Villanueva, uh, the tight uh, tackle for the Steelers yep. and the Ravens. He spent, you know, he he got a uh, undrafted free agent contract, tried out, didn't make it. Did four years in the Army Ranger Regiment. You know, great soldier, great soldier, uh, absolutely fantastic soldier. Got out after four years and then tried out again. Finally made after getting cut again. Finally made the Steelers and had a six-year career at tackle. Very good player. Uh, really kind of comparable to to uh, Andre Carter. Villanueva was 6'9", played receiver at West Point, was number 82, and then was a left tackle in the league because he put on a tremendous amount of weight, became a great left tackle for the Steelers for five or six years. Andre Carter, to get back to your first – so we'll we'll circle back around, but get back to your first question, at 6'7", 260, he put all of his film together last year. I think Army's been showcasing his versatility this year. He's dropped back in coverage a lot more. He's actually moved down to the interior of the line more than he was last year. Hasn't put up the numbers, but he's been much more versatile this year. And also teams are scheming away from him. If you have a 6'7", 260-pound outside linebacker or or weak side or a weak side pass rusher, then you're probably going to roll the quarterback the other way, or you're going to run the ball the other way. That just makes sense when you're when you have an all-American on one side and not all-Americans on the other side. You know, and all the Army players are, are great kids, but Andre yeah. Carter is, is kind of a, a next-level guy. Um, so, having said that, he put all of his 
tape on film last year. I, I think I think teams will look at his intangibles. I think that's what Mel Kuyper and Tom McShay are looking at. Six seven two sixty. He projects to be a pass rushing outside linebacker in a three yeah. four in the NFL or a pass rushing uh, end weak side end uh, on a four three. Uh, tremendous hands. That six seven wingspan is huge. Uh, with with quarterbacks testing these different angles of delivery these days, having that six seven wingspan is, is important on the end of that pass rushing end. I, I think at six seven, I think he'll have to put a little bit more weight on to play in the NFL. I think the ideal weight for that frame is somewhere between two eighty and three hundred. Uh, acumen, the personality, the uh, football acumen's off the charts. Ryan McGee had a really good article on Andre Carter on ESPN.com last week. Uh, you know, if you have time, it was a little bit more of a long form article, but it was really well done on Andre Carter. If you have a chance, check that out. But to your main point, I think it's it's uh, I think it's beneficial to both the academy and I think it's the right thing to do. If you have a guy, uh, you know, he didn't come to West Point to play in the NFL. That, you know, that may it may have been one of his dreams, uh, but he came knowing uh, that his first commitment was to the academy and the army. He turned into an NFL player while he was at school. Look, there there are other cadets that go on to medical school when they come out of the academy. There are cadets that go into the Air Force and Navy and cross-branching. There are a handful of cadets that do special. There are cadets that go to road Scholars programs. Look, yeah. being drafted first in the NFL is the is the athletic equivalent of being an academic road Scholar. So I, I think it stands to reason that if you have exceptional cadets who are exceptional at, at unique things and you give them opportunities – then you should also give exceptional football players the opportunity to go do something exceptional. It, it's 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 invaluable PR for the academies, which don't spend a lot of money on PR like the other FBS programs. It's invaluable for them. I guarantee you, if he gets drafted in the first round, he will be constant coverage of him all Thursday night and leading up to the second round beginning on day two. If Kuyper and McShay have him in the top round and he doesn't get drafted in the, in the first round, he will be the story leading up to the start of the draft on, on Friday night. So it'll be, it will be invaluable PR for West Point. They, the department of the army surely can't mess this up. They've surely got to let this happen. They, they will, uh, based on the current policy, it's there. It, it'll be fine, but you just kind of hold your breath to make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah, and this is not. They don't mess it up. I'm sorry that they don't mess up the ability to let him play in the NFL. Yeah, and and you mentioned there is a policy now that was enacted. It started in 2019, where you can request a deferment uh, in order to play sports professionally. Now, it it's not something that is a guaranteed. You're not. You're. It's not a guarantee. You're not automatically going to get this. Is it is a case by case basis. But for somebody that's going to get drafted into the NFL and uh, and especially if you're being drafted in the first round, you know, that's a guaranteed four year contract with a fifth year option. And you're going to make a boatload of money uh, in order to do so. This is not Roger Staubach uh, in the in the 60s at Navy. This is not David Robinson in the in the 80 in the mid 80s at the Naval Academy, having to go and serve three years on a submarine as a seven footer uh, before getting to play in the NBA. Uh, this is, it's, it's a totally different world. It's not even Napoleon McCallum uh, back in the nineties with the, uh, with the Raiders. This is, it's completely different. I, I can't wait to see it. And, you know, and the other thing I'm, I'm guaranteeing you 
that if he's not taken in the first round and say he is the first or the second player taken in the second round, he's going to come out of that green room with a smile on his face. Unlike some other people that are like, oh, I'm not drafted in the first round. I'm going to go home. Uh, we've seen that quite a bit uh, over the years in the NFL. You're not going to see that from, from Andre Carter the second if he's drafted in the second round or the third round, or even if he goes on day three, which it would boggle my imagina- imagination. I would think that someone that big and having the, the physical stat- stature that he has, being 6'7", and yes, he's got to put on weight if he's going to play in the NFL, and he will. That, that's the one thing that the NFL will make sure that he does. If they think that he can play at 285 or 290 at 6'7", and he's playing at 240 or 245 now, they'll put that weight on him, and they'll put it on him safely, and they'll make sure that he's able to play at that weight. So uh, I, I really do think that uh, if uh, it would be awesome to see him go in the first round. That's coming from a Navy guy. Yeah, and, and we'll know because if you think if you think an NFL team is going to use a first round draft pick or a second round draft pick without having already talked to the Secretary of the Army and, and getting his concurrence that he's going to approve that, then you don't know the business in the NFL. They don't leave uh, you know they don't leave those high draft choices to, to any chance uh, unless you're drafting a quarterback out of. Uh, unless you're drafting a quarterback, then they'll, then they'll roll the dice a little bit. But yeah. but they every any team that thinks about taking him. You're talking about a Texas A&M around, quarterback, maybe? Or an Ohio State. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, the point is, in, in, any NFL team that's thinking about drafting him will call the Secretary of the Army's office, and they will say, hey, where are we at on this? What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, if there's any hesitation whatsoever, that they, they will not waste a first or second round pick on a guy that they aren't sure will even legally be able to play for him. So we'll know before the draft uh, where where we stand on that decision uh, from the from the uh, secretary of the army. Yeah. And, and bear in mind that even if he doesn't go, even if he doesn't get drafted in, in the in the draft, you know, they they still have the supplemental draft. Uh, that is around and and maybe it takes some time for the bureaucracy to come out and say, okay, we're going to let him play. And then he can take him the supplemental draft a couple of weeks later and use a first round pick on him then. And, and that way you've got a first round pick this year and a first round and, and a first round pick next year. could be very, yeah, that's it could, I, I really believe that, that, it, that the conversations already probably oh, yeah. already been had. Oh, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it was had last year. Like you mentioned. Sure, and, and potentially, potentially is being had right now, but probably has already been had. I, I think, I think the leadership of the, of the DoD and, and uh, of the Army, I think they have a pretty good idea of what they're going to do if that situation arises. You know, the, the NFL draft's kind of a a weird thing. You know, it's it's not all about the numbers. Uh, GMs are already kind of they have their boards, and and over the course of the next eight weeks, as the college football season finishes up, there's probably some changes there, depending on who comes out, who stays in, whatnot. But but the draft boards are probably what, what would you say, Steve? At this point, they're probably 75, 85 percent finalized for the upcoming uh, 23 draft. I think I think anybody that's that's less than 66 percent, less than two thirds, uh, complete is is behind the is behind the curtain. Uh, sure. I, so if, would, if, yeah. if Kuiper and McShay are telling us that they project him in the top 15, you know, he's not, you know, that, that, that's GM's probably DM certainly don't have him below the third round. If, if Kuiper and McShay have him in their top 15. So, yeah. so it's not like the next six weeks, we're going to be a, 
uh, numbers wise, now depending on if he, if, you know, if he gets hurt, that's a different situation. But numbers wise, uh, the next six weeks aren't really going to affect too much there. It's it's really about his intangibles, uh, the off the field stuff, and what NFL think, what NFL teams think they can do with his talent once he gets to that level. Yeah, ab- absolutely, and we'll we'll definitely be keeping an eye on Andre Carter throughout the rest of this year, and then of course uh, after the season ends, uh, you can definitely. Make sure that you're following at Yards and Stripes. I'm sure that we're, we're going to be talking about Andre Carter on social media throughout the year. We're going to give you our thoughts on the three games that are coming up here this week in Service Academy football. But first, Price wants to tell you about one of our sponsors. You know, we talk about it every week, and we're going to do it again real quick right now. With the college football season well underway we are in october and folks you need a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on like bet us did you know that bet us has been the pioneers in the sports book industry for over 25 years thriving and paying yes paying their loyal customers face quickly and securely well we want you to go to betus.com and take advantage of an offer we've got for you on our shows from the college gridiron coast to coast podcast network you'll receive a 125 percent sign up bonus by using our code coast 22 that's coast 22 let me explain that 125 percent sign up bonus put 100 bucks in folks you get an additional 125 to play with 200 bucks initially deposited well that's going to get you 250 and so on and bet us has the nfl the major league baseball postseason the nba is on is on tap and almost any sport you can think of or wager on. Regardless of the sport, we want you to be with us all season long at BetUS.com. Again, check them out online at BetUS.com. And remember, our 125% match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22. Guys, gals, BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid, and that is the name of the game, guys. All right, now let's get back into the week to come in Service Academy football, and it starts early for Navy Friday evening on ESPN, 7.30 kickoff. They go to Gerald R. Ford Stadium in Dallas, Texas for a matchup against SMU. Both teams are two and three overall. The Mustangs are favored in this one by nearly two touchdowns, 13 and a half is what the lines are out in Vegas and over under total of 57 and a half. I'm really surprised that the number is this big. I know that, you know, SMU has lost four straight. They started off two and oh, their two wins this year are against North Texas and Lamar. Uh, and that's not Lamar Jackson. That's Lamar university, uh, in, uh, I believe that's in Indiana, uh, Don Mattingly's son, Preston Mattingly, played uh, basketball at Lamar. Uh, That's a guy that I know very, very well, Preston Mattingly. He's the director of player development for the Philadelphia Phillies. But SMU has lost four straight. Uh, Navy has won two of its last three, including the 50-burger they put up on Tulsa Mike. I'm shocked that the number is this large. Are are you surprised uh, at where this number is and and is SMU really that good? 
Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised. Uh, I, I think Vegas thinks that maybe Navy got back to being Navy. You know, if you look at SMU, they had Sonny Dykes leave last year. Rhett Lashley came in. So you, you think you got an offensive-minded coach. You got Tanner Mordecai. He's a really quality quarterback. So you think they're going to be uh, passing it quite a bit. They're putting up 500 yards a game. So that's a that's a uh, that's a that's a big number, and they're scoring some points, 35 points a game. But their defense isn't uh, isn't what we would say good. Um, they're you know they're giving up over 416 yards a game as well, including almost 200 rushing yards. So anytime you get a high-powered offense against a flexbone offense uh, that's operating well, you know if Navy plays mistake-free football, they can shorten this game, make it maybe down. You know if they get lucky limit SMU to 10 total drives in the game, maybe uh, three touchdowns, three, uh, let's say four touchdowns and three field goals. That's, you know, 70% of their drives, you know, keep it within 30 and, and Navy, you know, hope to put up 24, maybe get a touchdown, 31, 30, 30, you know, 38, 31, something like that. So I think 13 and a half, uh, kind of a big line. I, I, I think, I think, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. Kind of a big line. Uh, you know, I think the odds makers see SMU, they see Rhett Lashley, they see the athleticism, they see the SMU offense. I think they probably don't see the SMU defense as well. Close game against Maryland, close game against TCU. And they did not look good last week at the bounce house in Orlando. That was a 41 19 loss to a UCF team. That it's not, uh, not the Scott Frost, Josh Heupel UCF teams, not the national champions of, of several years ago. That's a UCF team that's still trying to find its footing. And they really laid the smack down on SMU. And it was really their running game. Isaiah Browser, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah Bowser had a great game. Uh, I think he had three touchdowns uh, when it was Wednesday, I believe, because of the uh, weather uh, there at UCF. So, yeah, again, 13 and a half. Uh, maybe a little bit generous for SMU. I still think they have the athleticism to pull it out. But if Navy plays mistake-free ball and executes well, they have a chance to be in this late in the fourth quarter. I think also if they if they're able to get themselves a turnover or two, you know, we saw three interceptions this past week against Tulsa for a team that likes to throw the football around in SMU. That that gives them more of an opportunity. But again, it's going to come down to pressure on the quarterback and being able because two of the quarter, uh, two of the interceptions last week were from linebackers. So obviously those are passes going over the middle uh, and also tip uh, tips at the line. Uh, I would love to be able to see that happen uh, again. And I think that could be a big difference in this game. If they can get themselves uh, an extra turn, if they win the turnover battle as well and, and are plus one or even plus two in the turnover battle, uh, I think they give themselves a much better opportunity uh, in order to uh, to get this win. Sure, and, and a team like SMU with Mordecai, you know, they'll take 300 yards, two touchdowns, and interception. Mm. That's kind of their philosophy. It's, it's kind of hard to change that. When you're playing a possession-based team like Navy or Army, you would rather have, you know, 200 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions because exactly. every possession is important. You, you can't change the DNA of a team like SMU. So, you know, that they are prime. Mordecai averages over an interception per game just because that's their system and that's their philosophy. They'll take 300, two, and one any day but that's not really the way you beat uh, 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 an army or a Navy. So we'll see if they can, if they can get one or two off him and, and kind of change the dynamics of that nine, 10 possession game, uh, which is what flex bone, flex bone teams like to do that. They count possessions. Mm-hmm. Then Navy could find themselves in this game late in the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, it certainly would be uh, would be a lot of fun. And like I said, if you got an opportunity to be 500, if you're Navy after this SMU game, you take it. Uh, <laughs> if, especially if you're if you're a college, if you're a service academy, and, and especially a Navy fan, uh, I certainly would take it if they, if they would. You had told me at the beginning of the year that they were going to be three and three after SMU because I certainly didn't think they were going to be there. Remember, that's a Friday night game on the road, so you know uh, Navy will have to overcome that too. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, getting into Saturday, we'll start at noon uh, in West Point. That's where Colgate will come down from Ithaca. Uh, so it's only a, a bus ride for them to go down to West Point to Mikey Stadium to take on Army. Both of these teams are one in four. Colgate one in four in the FCS. Army one in four. Their only win this year, of course, is against an FCS team in Villanova. No line on this game. Not uh, not here in the States. Not even offshore can you find a line for Army and, and Colgate. But I, I think if you're Jeff Munkin, this is the perfect opportunity to once again try and right the ship, right? Sure. Get back to basics. You tell the team, look, you know, uh, you go out there and execute. That That's the word, execute for this week. No fumbles, clean handoffs, clean reads, clean pitches on defense. Make the right reads, fill the right holes, make the tackle. Don't let anybody break through. Don't don't miss a tackle. If you're out in the open field, contain, push them back inside. This should be, I mean, I, I hate to say this, but this should be really a a, 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 a full full speed scrimmage for Army. It's, it's all about execution. I, I don't say that to demean Colgate. I, I, I say that to, to kind of get in the philosophy and mindset Army has to approach that. Execute, 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 and make sure we work on our fundamentals and come out of this game feeling like that we improved, uh, we, that, that Army is better on Saturday night than they were uh, after practice on Friday. So it's, it's really all about execution, just doing the fundamentals because they, they are a better team than Colgate and they, and they should handle Colgate easily. Yeah, and, and hopefully they'll be able to whiten their record. Uh, with Colgate as well. I'm, I'll make every toothpaste reference you'll let me, Mike, uh, when, when it comes to Colgate. Because as we said uh, uh, during the break, you know, a Donald Foyle ain't helping this Colgate team beat Army. That That is for sure. Yeah, just one correction for you. There is no such thing as a short bus ride, Steve. No. It, <laughs> it doesn't. I don't care how close Ithaca is to West Point. That's uh, still not a short bus ride. Any, any ride in the bus, any ride in the bus is is uh, uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, I I know that for sure. Uh, having been in Central New York, that that's uh, never fun uh, to be on uh, in the bus at that point. Uh, our final game, of course, will take place at seven thirty. Uh, these are both uh, CBS Sports, or excuse me, ten thirty. Uh, 7.30 uh, on the on the Pacific Coast, but 10.30 p.m. Eastern CBS Sports Network. So you've got a pair of CBS Sports Network games on Saturday with Air Force going out to Las Vegas to take on UNLV. Both of these teams are four and two on the year. But as we mentioned, uh, Air Force, the Falcons are one and two now in the Mountain West Conference. Last year, these two teams met right around Thanksgiving. Air Force put a Beating on the running Rebels in that game, 48-14 was the final in that contest as uh, Air Force ran for 511 yards against UNLV. I would think that if they really uh, want an opportunity at a Mountain West Conference championship, 511 yards is probably the minimum, right? 
Yeah, you, you got to think so. For uh, UNLV, uh, it's they're they're going to be a little bit behind the, the eight ball. Their starting quarterback, Alex Brunfeld, is out with an injury. Uh, looks like he's probably not going to play f- against Air Force. Uh, Air Force will probably turn to Harrison Bailey, transfer quarterback. Uh, he started his career at Tennessee, moved out to UNLV with a change in coaching leadership there. So UNLV already starting from behind. Uh, Air Force will probably look again to get back to basics, kind of shake off that Utah State game and uh, lean on, look for them to lean on Brad Roberts uh, and and their run game and just kind of wear down UNLV. Interestingly, and and UNLV fans can't be happy about this because, you know, they they kind of, they look good against Utah State, only lost to Cal uh, by less than a touchdown. They've looked good uh, this season. Uh, Brunfeld went down early against San Jose State last week, and then they end up losing 40 to seven. So you got to think UNLV is not really looking forward to going up against Air Force. Uh, uh, Brunfeld was having a great season and got hurt last week, and now UNLV is kind of. Uh, I don't think they have the same confidence in Bailey that they had in Brunfeld. Yeah, you know, this is probably going to look more like the Running Rebels team that went two and ten last year, <laughs> or for sure, uh, than than the team that started out four and two here this year. But those are the three contests here this week in Service Academy football. Uh, we definitely hope for a three and a weekend for Army, Navy, and Air Force. That would that's always the uh the go- the main goal. Uh and then we'll uh, we'll take uh the the personal uh goals as it as they come as well. Uh next week Price will be back with us as I mentioned uh, his wife uh, running in the Chicago Marathon last weekend. We will get a full recap of that from him, and we will also get an opportunity to go through all three of these games that are coming up this weekend. Again, subscribe to Yards and Stripes on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Just search College Gridiron on whatever podcast platform you are using. Leave us ratings and reviews if you're if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Follow the show at Yards and Stripes on Twitter and Facebook. Gridiron Coast is the Twitter feed for the entire network, so definitely check that out as well. For Mike Lovell, I'm Steve Carney. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will catch you next week here on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. Join us again next time for Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. To get more on all things Service Academy Football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And make sure that you're subscribing to the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts.